Hello, and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show that has toiled and troubled in anticipation of witching season. I was going to add the rest of the quote to that, but then it would have been too long. Oh, what's the quote? The double, double toil and trouble. Oh. It's from Macbeth. All right. Well, um, please check out our TikTok and click our little merch link at the top of this episode description and buy some shit. Uh, it's beanie and hoodie season, so y'all should probably buy one of those. And of course, check out our Instagram and email us at what if I told you podcasts at gmail.com. Yeah. We've been steadily hearing from Gerard, our friend over in Dublin, so um, everyone who sends us an email at this point, you you have a lot of shoes to fill, so. Yeah. Yeah, Gerard is uh, at the top of our list, so. Yeah, he's, he's the best. So, um... And we're recording virtually today. Yeah. Uh, we actually did some things this weekend. Not together, but we both stopped by Oktoberfest that happens in September for some reason. And uh, and I have the kids, so. And the fucking football game's on today. I completely forgot that there is a football game on today. It has no bearing on my Sunday schedule, so... Yeah. I mean, me either. But, you know. It does most other people's. What lames. It's incredibly lame. Yeah. I mean, whatever. To each their own. On Sundays, I I like to cook, and I finished two paintings today, so that's cool. Cooked four meals. Damn. That's what I do every Sunday. It's four meals. I like to give myself one day every week where I eat the lunch of my choosing that is not prepped. So I usually do four meals for breakfasts and get one random day. Or some work caters a lot too, so. That would be so nice. I've been cleaning my garage today. So That sounds terrible. Yeah, I feel gross. Anyways, um, so today we're doing like a pretty big story, but we're really excited for next month because obviously it's October and it's the best month of the year. Um, oh shit. We are going to be doing, like, a full month of spooky shit. And we're going to be doing our regular Tuesday release. But we're also going to have a bonus episode every Friday through the entire month. So it'll be... It's eight episodes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So eight episodes for next month. And that is a lot. So it'll be pretty fucking cool. And we're starting with a bang. Oh, yeah. Not this episode, but next one. Yeah. Next week, we're starting off with probably one of the funnest. As far as researching it goes, it's probably been one of the funnest. Maybe second only to zombies from last year. Oh, love zombies. Yeah, the zombie episode is probably is is one of the best, probably. Yeah, I uh I need to start re-listening to some of our shit. I listened to the zombie episode maybe last week. I don't know. They um mean nothing anymore. They're yeah, all the same now. For real. But. Uh, we we don't have a chip's basement because I don't know he's off in another 
realm. Yeah, he's fired. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Chip. Yeah, I mean, I've heard from Chip a lot recently, but, I mean, he has been busy, and I don't even know if he's had time to listen the last handful of weeks. So, I'm sure he'll catch up at some point, and then we'll have a fuck ton of Chip's basement content to go through. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I guess it's positive that he has actual work to do. That's nice. Oh, yeah. So. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the case of Tara Grinstead. And yep. although it's really popular, I probably wouldn't have really heard anything about it if I didn't listen to Up and Vanish. I don't think I've heard um, too many other podcasts actually do Tara Grinstead. Maybe yeah, because Up and Vanish does it so well. Yeah. But it's also not chronological on Up and Vanished. When I was re-listening mm. to it, it's... It doesn't, like, start at the beginning and go linear to the end. Because he's, like, interviewing people, so it's bounced around here and there. It's awesome, but not... yeah linear yeah so but it is very very in-depth it is it is a really good podcast and i really like pain Lindsay. and really i'm trying to think because he's on a couple others outside of up and vanish that i've listened to him on but he's just a good podcaster really yeah he's also a filmmaker i think he did release the documentary on Tara Grinstead. That's how he started his podcast, generally. Yeah. So. Okay, so Tara Grinstead was born Tara Faye Grinstead on November 14th, 1974 in Hawkinsville, Georgia. Her parents were Billy and Faye. Um, during her high school, she was a cheerleader, really active in her church, um, after high school, she went to Middle Georgia College and became a teacher. And then she would later earn her master's degree in education at Valdosta State University. Um, she was also in beauty pageants. She originally got into pageants to earn scholarship money for college. And um, she participated in numerous pageants. And eventually in 99 was crowned Miss Tifton. I think Tifton is a town in Georgia. Um, later that year, she also competed for the title of Miss Georgia, which she didn't win, but she participated in it. Um, after college, she was no longer in the pageants, but still wanted to be involved in the industry. So she coached young competitors in the town of Osceola, which is where she lived. Um, and where she taught high school. And one of her last known whereabouts on the day she, the day before she went missing was helping pageant contestants get ready for a pageant that was happening that day. Um, in 1998, she began teaching 11th grade history at Irwin County High School in Osceola, Georgia. She was a devoted teacher, really well-liked. Her colleagues and students described her as being compassionate and that she really cared for students. She even allowed one student to temporarily live with her after the student's house burned down. Um, according to friends and family, she was widely known to be generous and trusting. And at the time of her disappearance, she was planning to pursue her doctorate degree in education. I found it a little weird that a student lived with her. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their house burned was... down, but don't they have family? That's weird. It is different. I mean, but this was over 20 years ago. I feel like things like that might have been more common, you know? I wouldn't let my kid right now go stay with his teacher, but 
people were a lot more trusting back then. I guess. Was it, it a boy or a girl? It is not stated. I assume it's a girl, but I just think it's weird no matter what. Yeah, that is a little weird. I mean, where are their parents? Where are their parents staying? Why don't you stay with your parents? That's true. Seems weird. Now we're going to talk about her disappearance. Well, this is kind of close to the date that she disappeared. I mean, we're a month off this time, but... Anyways, so on Saturday, October 22nd, 2005, um, Tara had helped uh, pageant contestants get ready, and then she actually attended the beauty pageant. And it said that she left the pageant and went to a barbecue that she arrived um, at at about 8 p.m. and then left the barbecue around 11 p.m. On Monday, October 24th, Students and co-workers became really concerned because Tara did not show up for work. And she was then reported missing to the police, and officers went to her home around 8, 9 o'clock that morning. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation was called in to assist by 11 a.m. that same morning. So this is... They're doing a pretty fucking good job, honestly. And... Yeah. The clothes she was wearing two nights earlier were found in her home. Her car, her cell phone, and her pets were at home. And the only items missing was her purse, keys, and earrings. And numerous searches were conducted, obviously, without any success. There was some evidence inside her house that suggested that there could have been foul play. Her bedside alarm clock had fallen on the floor and was broken. There were some beads scattered across the floor, and one of her bedposts were damaged, and her bedroom lampshade was askew. Um, but there was no other evidence to suggest what had actually happened to her. So, obviously, if there's broken shit, like random broken shit in a house, that's not very normal. Yeah, and everyone who's talked about her said that she kept a meticulously neat house. So anything out of place would have been suspicious because she was very particular about her house being clean and everything being in its designated place. Right. Okay, so the timeline is as follows. October 22nd, 2005, at 11 a.m., the girls from the pageant are at Tara's home in Osceola getting ready for the pageant. By 12 o'clock, Tara runs out to grab lunch in the town of Osceola. 3 o'clock is the time that the pageant begins, at the Fitzgerald Grand Theater in Fitzgerald, Georgia, which is a nearby town to Osceola. Tara arrived at the theater to watch the pageant around 4 p.m. I'm assuming there's, like, opening ceremony shit, so she was really just there to see her specific girls. The pageant was over and she left the theater in Fitzgerald by 7.30 p.m., and at 7.45 p.m., Tara arrives at the home of Rhett Roberts. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Rhett later, but for now we'll call him a friend. At 8 p.m., she arrives at the barbecue of her friend Troy Davis. He was like a colleague. I think he worked at the school in Osceola with her. He may have been the principal or the superintendent. Um, but she arrived at 8 p.m. and then left the barbecue at 11 p.m. On October 23rd, 2005, she gets a call from Heath Dykes. He is an officer from Perry, Georgia. He called her phone and she didn't answer. At 7.30 p.m., a black truck is seen at Tara's house. On October 24th, 2005, 
At 12.30 a.m., Tara's mom is now really concerned and asks Officer Heath Dykes to go to Tara's house and check on her. So he goes to her house and gets no answer at her door, and then presumably presumably he leaves. At 6 a.m., a black truck is again seen at Tara's house. By 7.30, she doesn't show up for work at Irwin County High School, and everyone is now concerned. At 8 a.m., her neighbor, Joe Portier, is asked to check on Tara. Um, one of the other neighbors, I thought for a second Joe Portier had a key to her house, but he didn't. Another one of her neighbors, an older woman, had a key. And so Joe retrieved the key from the other neighbor and entered Tara's house with some other employees from the school. Obviously, they do not find Tara. And at 8.20, the chief of police, Billy Hancock, arrives at Tara's house and then calls the GBI and the case is officially handed over. At 12 p.m., the GBI arrives at Tara's house. On October 26th of 2005, the same neighbor, Joe Portier, takes Tara's car to get detailed. Not really sure why, and Tara's parents would later say that they did not want him to get the car detailed. Yeah, I don't know why he had the car key. Hmm. Not really sure. Um, November 8th, 2005... The Irwin County Communication Center got an alarm from an unknown person that there was a fire at 425 Snapdragon Road. This is a vacant house just outside of Osceola. The house was completely destroyed in the fire, and there was also a, a Ford Expedition, a year 2000 Ford Expedition, that was equally destroyed. Canine units were brought in and hit by the car but it was thought that this could have been the gas or sewer line nearby. Um, interestingly, the SUV that was burned on the property was not actually owned by the owner of the house at Snapdragon Road. Hmm. It was actually owned by one of the officers of Osceola. Hmm. Um, Payne Lindsay actually interviewed the owner of the cadaver dog that made the hit near the car and he said while it is true that sometimes the same chemicals that cause a cadaver dog to hit on human remains are present in sewer lines those sewer lines have to be active or recently so this house had been vacant for a long time so the sewer lines were not likely to contain any of the chemicals needed to cause the dog to hit so and then on february 23rd 2017 the GBI announced that they had received a tip that led to the arrest of Ryan Alexander Duke for Tara Grinstead's murder. So, anyone who's listened to Up and Vanish knows that that is super out of nowhere for people who are following the case. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So... We're going to talk about some evidence. Um, so first, a latex glove. So Tara's neighbor, Joe, was the first one on the scene at her house the day that she was reported missing. And he discovered a latex glove in Tara's front yard. And he picked it up and reportedly put it back down. He stated that the glove was white, while Tara's friend Maria remembers seeing a blue glove, and the glove was tested and contained a sample of white male DNA. The DNA in this glove has since been verified as being Tara's, Ryan Duke's, and a third male that has not yet been identified. So that's odd. Now, there was a white latex glove that was found on the street near Tara's house, um, and this was found by a neighbor walking his dog, but it's unknown if this was the pair, like the match to the glove that was found in her yard. 
Yeah, and I don't think it was. I think the one in the street was actually white, and the one found in her yard has been confirmed to be blue. So, it's probably completely unrelated, honestly. Yeah, and and word to the wise, if you are, like, checking on your friend who might be missing and you see a latex glove in her yard, don't fucking touch it. Yeah. And also, if you're committing a crime, why are you taking off your gloves at the scene? Yeah, but you didn't hear that from us. Keep your gloves on. It's probably the best advice that you can receive. That's true. Um, so, the dispatch logs. On the night of her disappearance, Marcus Harper and his friend, Sean Fletcher, who was an on-duty Osceola police officer, supposedly responded to numerous calls about a man named Benny Merritt, and these calls would have been recorded in the 911 dispatch logs. And these calls are supposed to have been the alibi for Marcus Harper, who was also an Osceola police officer. Um, I think that it has since been confirmed that the Benny Merritt um, dispatch calls were a different day. And not actually on the night of Tara's disappearance. I think. So then, of course, there's the SUV that burned up along with the house on Snapdragon Road. And like Maddie said earlier, this vehicle belonged to an Osceola police officer named Michael Langford, who was not the owner of the house. And also the black truck that was seen in Tara's driveway on the night of her disappearance and on the surrounding streets on the weekend of her disappearance. There were five witnesses that saw the black truck that weekend, and Dr. Godwin found four of those witnesses, and someone inside the truck apparently yelled a nasty comment at a kid who was walking by, and when the kid reported the car to the police, the police ended up searching the kid's house and his mom's car. Which is super rude. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Godwin is actually Dr. Maurice Godwin, and he's kind of Payne Lindsay's partner. He was a private investigator hired by the family of Tara Grinstead to investigate the case, and he investigated it for, I mean, like, years years and years. Yeah. Um... So, when Payne Lindsay searched under the house where the barbecue was hosted, he found a suspicious mound of dirt and collected some soil samples. The Irwin County Sheriff's Department conducted their own search days after and reported that they found five bones and a pair of women's underwear but the bones were later to be determined as animal bones. It's just very odd. Super weird. Yeah. During the initial search of Tara's house, investigators found those beads, um, which were from a broken necklace. And when Dr. Godwin searched Tara's house, he found the clasp of the necklace, which appeared to have been broken by force. So that's a pretty big indicator of you know a struggle yeah i mean i've never had a a necklace rip off of my neck you know same there were also some emails um that tara emailed marcus harper's mother asking about why he broke up with her And she was also sharing how depressed she was. She ended her email with a couple obscure phrases saying, um, just remind Marcus what I said about something happening to me or even him. He leaves it as this and something may happen to me. Super weird. That's very weird. Uh, Tara, I don't know that we've stated it explicitly, but Marcus Harper was Tara's boyfriend for quite some time prior to this who clearly she still wanted to be with right 
There was the broken lamp that was found propped up against the wall in Tara's house. Um, she would always turn this lamp on when she got home to let her neighbors know that she had made it home safely. This seems like a very fucking tight-knit community. Yeah, seems like it. And according to her neighbors, on the night of her disappearance, she didn't turn on the lamp. So, uh, it seems like the distress signal of a lamp not being turned on didn't really do shit. Yeah, I, my assumption would have been, if they had this in place, I'm gonna turn this on, let you know that I'm fine, and in the house, and whatever. So, they notice that she doesn't turn it on. My assumption would have been that part of the agreement would be that they would then try to find out if she's okay. Like, they would call her, maybe call her parents if she didn't answer. Like, I would assume that there's some line of, like, a plan of what to do in the instance that the lamp's not on. Yeah, because what would be the point? Yeah, because then why are you doing it? Right. Um, So Tara had also told Troy Davis, who was the guy who had the barbecue, that she was leaving to go home and watch the tape of the pageant. So this was, she went to the pageant, and then she was at the barbecue, and then was going to go home and watch the tape of the pageant. But this tape was never found. Hmm. Is it likely that the pageant would happen and be filmed and the tape even be ready for her to have and watch that same night? Um, unless she's the unless one who did she, it? Yeah, I would say no, unless she herself had a video camera that she herself videotaped the pageant with and then was going to go home and watch. But my inclination is that there was no tape and that that was yeah. kind of like a line to go home. That could be it. It it just, it seems to me like she maybe had something else she wanted to do and just didn't want anyone else to know. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, she obviously went home after this because that's where she was attacked, was in her home. Right. So, I don't know. Um, who was Anthony Vickers again in relation to Tara? Um, he was a guy she had maybe been seeing a little bit. I didn't get to re-listen, so. There are a handful of guys that she was kind of talking to and casually dating-ish, so... The next section goes over all these people. Okay. So, there's this guy named Anthony Vickers, who Tara knew somehow, um, and he says that he received a bizarre phone call a few weeks after Tara's disappearance, and he said it sounded like he heard a screaming woman who he swears was Tara. And the GBI says that this call came from a drug dealer's house. All right. Cool. Um, This is weird. Um, There was a man. He traveled to Knoxville, Tennessee and committed suicide. And he left a suicide letter that claimed he knew who killed Tara And he left a list of names um, who apparently knew about her disappearance. The person under the alias Jim Deal was on the list. And we assume that Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes were on this list as well. Because it's known that at least Bo Dukes was connected to Jim Deal. Yeah, I'm guessing they gave him the alias Jim Deal because he got a deal. Yeah, I would say in so. The, for giving information. Um, Dr. Godwin 
found some pieces of broken plastic from Tara's headboard. Um, and also the bedpost was split in two. So that's That's weird. pretty serious. Yeah. And then there is her car, which was in the driveway, but it was unlocked. But they said that her driver's seat was pushed all the way back, and Tara was not a tall person at all, so there's no way she would have been able to drive the car with the seat like this. Mm-hmm. So that is very sus. Yeah, I think she was, like, five foot three, maybe? Like, she was very petite. Yeah, that's short. And investigators found Tara's cell phone at home. It was still on the charger when they found it, and... The phone had over 20 missed calls from Heath Dykes. That's a lot lot of missed calls. calls. That's a lot. 20? Yeah, that's a lot. Her front door was locked, and there were no signs of forced entry, but there was a business card from Heath Dykes wedged in the door. Yep. Because he had gone to her house at the bequest of her mother. Right. To check on her. Right. So then he clearly just put his business card in the door and left. And when police first, you know, got in Tara's house and looked around, they discovered that her purse and keys were missing. But Payne Lindsay later found out that they both may have been thrown in a dumpster. Which makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to keep that kind of shit on your person if you, you know, killed the owner. Right. Okay. So we've got some suspects here. First is Marcus Harper. Um, Marcus and Tara had a six-year relationship that they had broken off about a year before Tara's disappearance. And, uh, Marcus is actually the one who ended their relationship, and Tara was super brokenhearted about it. Um, About a week before her disappearance, Marcus and Tara became entangled in an argument, and this made Marcus the prime suspect to police and detectives um, for quite a while, actually. His alibi did clear him, which I think was that he was working Um, which was pretty, I mean, I'm sure it was pretty simple for them to verify that because he is an officer, so. Right. I don't know. They cleared him, but, you know, obviously the boyfriend is always the first person to be a suspect. Of course. Um, our second suspect is Heath Dykes. He was a captain at the Perry Police Department. Uh, Heath Dykes was thought to be romantically involved in Tara, involved with Tara. He was the last known person at Tara's residence before she was noticed to be missing. And obviously they found his business card in her front door. So, um, he obviously called her 20 times. Yeah, that's a little excessive for... an officer to be trying to check on someone. That is pretty excessive. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that at least he was romantically interested in Tara. Yeah, I mean, if I thought you were missing, I would call you maybe, like, five times, but after, like, call number four, I'd be like, this bitch is dead. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you call a couple of times because people inevitably don't have their phone on them at all times. Especially, Especially not, in, not 2005. in 2005. Yeah. In 2005, absolutely, it was not attached to your person at all times. Yeah. But after huh. call number three, like, they're either ignoring you or... Yeah. They're, yeah. And if you're really yeah. that concerned, call someone else who knows them. Like, right. another friend. Hey, call Tara. She's not answering. Yeah. Or he was obviously in touch with her mom, too. So, I don't know. Seems weird. 
Now we're going to talk about Anthony Vickers, who's the one who stated he had got a call a couple weeks after her disappearance, and he thought he heard a woman screaming that sounded like Tara. He was actually a former student of hers. He claimed to have an intimate romantic relationship with Tara. Um, in the six months before her disappearance, she actually called the police and stated that Anthony had become aggressive and was trying to force his way into her house. So, obviously, because of this, he was a person of interest, but he also had a tight alibi and was cleared. Um, Rhett Roberts, he was one of the stops that Tara made after the pageant. Uh, He was also someone that Tara had dated at one point, but he was never really a suspect or person of interest necessarily, um, I don't, I don't know. He was a love interest. They looked into him and cleared him. Jim yeah. Hickey. He was a salesman from Atlanta who took Tara on a casual date in October of 2005. So really recent to her disappearance. Um, and he's, he told police that on the night of her disappearance, she texted him and, and it just said, I'm cold. Hmm. So that's weird. That is very weird. It's not clear if he responded to her or had any type of exchange, just that she sent him the I'm cold text. Random. Um, Next we have Andrew Haley. In 2009, videos surfaced on the internet featuring a self-proclaimed serial killer who dubbed himself the Catch Me Killer. The man in the videos detailed what he claimed to be his 16 female victims, and one of those was determined to be Tara Grinstead. Although his face and voice were digitally altered, police eventually determined that the video's creator to be 27-year-old Andrew Haley. The police investigated and revealed the videos to be a bizarre, really elaborate hoax, and that Haley was ultimately eliminated as a substantial lead in her disappearance. People are sick out here. The The internet cannot be trusted. Such a weird form of attention to want. I know. What is What has happened to you in your life where that is the kind of attention you want? Who the fuck knows? You're creating a persona that you are a serial killer and you've murdered all these people to get attention, which is only going to be negative attention and possibly get you like jail time. Why not make up a persona where you like saved people from burning buildings? Exactly. Lie about rescuing a small child. Yeah. That's, I mean, at least then people would understand why you lied about it. Everyone wants to be someone who saved people from imminent death. Right. Hmm. Mental illness, for sure. He probably has mommy issues. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim Deal, alias. He, I don't know that he was necessarily a suspect suspect, but he did allegedly know what happened and he is a friend of Bo Dukes, so we're going to talk about Bo soon. Um, Jim Deal was allegedly a friend of Bo Dukes and knew what happened to Tara. He is listed on the suicide note that we talked about earlier and was also shown in a picture with Bo Dukes and several other boys in the back of a truck. So I think he... Uh, gave information to the police about what he knew about Tara's disappearance. Yeah. And Ryan Duke. So about three years before Tara Grinstead's disappearance, Ryan Duke attended Irwin County High School where she taught. Um, Ryan Duke was eventually charged with the alleged murder, burglary, and aggravated assault of Tara. Um, he graduated from Irwin County High School and GBA sta- GBI states that he was never considered a, sp- a suspect by the police prior to receiving a tip. 
according to warrants that were read in court, Duke burglarized Grinstead's home, and when she caught him in the act, he strangled her and then removed her body from the house, drove it to some orchard in a neighboring county, and burned it. Yeah. Cool. Um, GBI states that they found a minute amount of touch DNA on the latex glove found in Tara's yard and that it matched Ryan Duke. Not good. Not good, Ryan. And Bo Dukes. So, as I was doing research on this case, obviously we have Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes. Yeah. And it made, a lot of the sources made sure to point out no familial relation. Why do we have to explicitly state that there's no relation? Their names are different. It's not like it's Bo Duke and Ryan Duke. It's Duke and Dukes. They're different names. Why would you think they're related? I guess people don't pay that close attention to detail when reading and hearing about things. I guess. I just thought it was really stupid that people would even think that because their names are different. Mm. Sorry, everyone who was confused and thought that they were maybe cousins. They're not because their names are different. So, Bo Dukes was eventually charged with helping Ryan Duke conceal the murder of Tara Grinstead and then also charged with hindering apprehension and tampering with evidence because they burned her body. So Tara Grinstead's sister, Anita Gaddis, said that she knew Bo Dukes and his family for years, but never connected him with any part of her sister's disappearance. Um, Bo Dukes also has a pretty serious rap sheet. Um, one of which is actually still pending, I believe, Um, out of Perry, Georgia. Bo Dukes was um, one of the men charged in connection with the death of Tara Grinstead. He was indicted recently by Houston County, Georgia grand jury for charges stemming from an unrelated 2017 sexual assault. He was indicted on rape, aggravated sodomy, and possession of a firearm or knife during the commission of a crime on charges stemming from that assault. The indictment was handed down in Houston County, Georgia Superior Court on October 22nd of 2019, uh, I believe is when he was charged. So he's facing pretty hefty charges there. Oh yeah. Um, So, and uh, the tipster who brought Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes to the attention of the police was Brooke Sheridan, Bo Duke's girlfriend. She claims that she was the tipster to the GBI and that Bo Dukes had confessed to her that he and Ryan were involved in Tara's disappearance. Well, good for you, Brooke. For good job, Brooke. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to get into the confessions. We'll talk about Ryan here. Um, first, he told police that he broke into Tara's house looking for money. She surprised him, and he struck her and killed her. He then claimed that he got Bo to help him burn her body in the woods, but um, he would claim something different at the trial. He said that he lied originally because he was afraid of Bo, but now that Bo is in prison, he felt free to tell the truth, which... I mean, I kind of get, you know. Um, Just based on Bo Duke's other case, I believe that. He seems like a violent dude. So, Ryan said that on the night that Tara disappeared, he was throwing up and passed out at the base of a toilet in a mobile home miles away from Tara's house. And Ryan said Bo woke him up Sunday morning. And Ryan says he looked panicked, freaked out, and he claimed Bo said he killed Tara and showed him her purse and her driver's license. 
Ryan said that at the time, he thought Bo had just stolen the purse and he had intended to return it. But Ryan said he took Bo's truck and drove to Osceola. Um, Ryan said, I called 411 to get her phone number. He claims that no one answered. And Ryan told jurors that Bo took him to Tara's I, body. Yeah. That's a typo. <laughs> it works. Took him to Tara's body in a pecan orchard to prove to him that she was dead. Cool. Great move, Bo. Yeah. Ryan yes. said she was beat up. She had bruises on her arms and legs. And I'm dry heaving. I'm crying. Ryan said that Bo started laughing at him, and he then pushed up her shirt and started fondling her. Gross. Ryan told jurors that Bo then lit the body on fire. Um, Ryan was charged with the alleged murder, burglary, and aggravated assault of Tara Grinstead. And on August 2000. In August 2017, a grand jury filed four new charges against Bo Dukes, two counts of making false statements, one count of hindering apprehension of a criminal, and one count of concealing the death of another. These additional charges are based on a Wilcox County indictment stating that Bo Dukes had lied to the GBI official who had questioned him in 2016 concerning Tara's disappearance. Whoa. And I think we should also point out that these indictments were in different counties. So Ryan Duke was charged in Irwin County and Bo Dukes was charged in Wilcox County. Um, they're also not co-defendants because I think there are some differing laws about how you can proceed if people are co-defendants or charging them as separate completely. So they were not co-defendants. Right. Um, all right. So now the trial of Ryan Duke. Um, after Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes were arrested, an Irwin County judge, Melanie Cross, issued a gag order prohibiting anyone involved in the case from talking about it in order to protect uh, Ryan Duke's right to a fair trial. So basically, this would have just um, applied to investigators and attorneys. Anyone with the media would not be subject to the gag order because they wouldn't have privileged information about the case. Well, maybe they would if they had connections, but officially they do not have privileged information. Um, Georgia television stations, WMAZ and WXIA challenged the order in court and Judge Cross relaxed the order, but still restricted public comment by anyone working with the prosecution or the defense. Um, it also prohibited court staff and current and former police officers from talking about the case. Um, the two media outlets again took this order to court and the case went to the Supreme Court of Georgia in October of 2017 and in March of 2018 the gag order was tossed out completely in a unanimous opinion. Generally speaking criminal cases are public like you can once the uh, the initial warrant is served, you can typically get online and look at everything that is done in the case. You can always sit in court when there are hearings or trials. You can usually look at the entire life from start to finish of a criminal case online. Um, the only exception would be if there are minors as victims or if the uh, perpetrator or defendant is a minor, then obviously those are not typically public. Right. Um, let's see. Ryan Duke's murder trial was set for April 1st, 2019, but Georgia Supreme Court delayed the trial 
on the 20, on March 28th, 2019, after Ryan Duke's lawyers contended they were unconstitutionally denied funds for experts to testify on behalf of Ryan Duke. So the trial was pushed out for a long time after this because of COVID, presumably. The trial didn't happen until May 9th of 2022. So this just happened, literally. At the trial, Ryan Duke pleaded not guilty to murder and blamed Bo Dukes for killing Tara Grinstead. On May 20th, 2022, Ryan Duke was found not guilty of murder, aggravated assault, and burglary, but was found guilty of concealing a death. So it seems like the jury also believed him that Bo Dukes was likely the person who actually killed her and that all he did was help cover up the body. Yeah. Um, Three days after the verdict was handed down, Ryan Duke was given the maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. So. That's crazy. It is. It's so crazy. But I'm inclined to believe that maybe he wasn't actually the the killer. Yeah, I'm I mean I am too, but I mean who knows? He's he's still if he wasn't, I mean he's still fucking Yeah. Both yeah. At the end and, of it. Yeah. And when we talk about like the blue latex glove and how they got Tara's DNA, Ryan Duke DNA and a third male's DNA. I'm inclined to believe that third male is Bo Dukes. Yeah. It, that would just make sense. But right. I never found that any confirmation of that anywhere in what I, in my research. Or, and it's never talked about by Payne Lindsay on Up and Vanish. So I don't actually know that. Um, the trial of Bo Dukes began March 19th, 2019. He was found guilty for his role in helping cover up the murder and was sentenced to 25 years in prison on March 22nd, 2019. So a lot more than Ryan Duke. Bo Dukes was found guilty by jurors of lying to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, hindering the arrest of Ryan Duke and concealing Tara Grinstead's death. He ultimately told investigators that Ryan Duke had confessed to him that Ryan had strangled Tara Grinstead and used Bo Duke's truck to move the body. Bo Duke said that Ryan Duke took him to the pecan orchard, showed him the body lying in the grass, and then both of them had burned the body for two days until it looked like it was all ash. Um, Now, they did go, investigators did go to the pecan orchard in order to find the ash and see if there are any remains. I think they were able to find some bone fragments, but were never able to conclusively verify that it was Tara's remains. But I think we can all assume that it likely was. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks that they couldn't, like, verify that it was, but yeah. Yeah. Um, on Friday, June 3rd of 2022, a grand jury indicted Ryan Duke on six counts, including concealing a death, hindering apprehension of a criminal, concealing facts and evidence, tampering, and the death of Tara Grinstead. While Ryan was previously charged in Irwin County, the June 3rd indictments were issued in Ben Hill County, which neighbors Irwin County to the north. He was acquitted of murder, but found guilty of concealing a death in the Irwin County trial and sentenced to a total of 10 years in prison. Having already served five years in jail, Duke could serve five more years. And the new charges could add much more time onto his sentence. Building off his testimony at trial, he's accused of concealing Tara's body moving her body, burning her body in the orchard um, to keep officials from arresting Dukes and not telling officials where the remains were. Bo Dukes also faces additional concealment charges issued earlier in Ben Hill County 
His previous trial was in Wilcox County, where he was interviewed by GBI agents. Okay, so I think to avoid confusion about all of the different counties, Irwin County is the county in which Osceola is located. So Ryan Duke faced his original charges in Irwin County. I believe the orchard, I think I said I thought the orchard was in Wilcox County, but I think the orchard was actually in Ben Hill County. And that Bo Dukes was charged in Wilcox County originally because that's where he actually, in fact, lied to GBI. So. It's a lot of counties, but it makes sense. A lot of counties involved, but. It just depends on where the specific charge occurred. So he lied in Wilcox County. So he was charged in Wilcox County for that. Tara Grinstead was based on confession. She was killed in Irwin County, but then her body was disposed of in Ben Hill County. So she, the murder was tried in Irwin County and now the concealment is being charged in Ben Hill County. So. Crazy. Yeah. So that's where we are now. They're both facing more charges. It's unclear if um, authorities are actually going to seek um, the murder charge against Bo Dukes based off of what Ryan Duke testified to. I don't know. I mean, maybe eventually if they have more evidence. I yeah. don't know. So, either way, Bo Dukes is likely to spend the rest of his life in prison just based off of the fact that he's got additional charges in Tara Grinstead's case in Ben Hill County and also the Houston County charges um, for the unrelated case. Right. So... Hopefully, he spends the rest of his life in prison. He seems like a terrible person. Dude is a fucking mess. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, he he probably is the one who killed Tara. Wait, did you just get that puppy for me? I just happened to... Facebook was open on my phone, and I swiped up, and uh, my niece shared this post. Did Did she just get that puppy? No. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to need that puppy, so. We'll find out where it is. Its name is Chess. Who owns it, though? Mm, Let's see. MB Kennels. Oh, so it probably is for sale. Oh, wait, hold on. I can't tell. Oh my god. Oh, they have an Instagram. What kind of dog is it? Um. And Bully Kennels. Let me look them up on Instagram. Bruh. Whoa! Whoa. Are they expensive? Oh, they're in the United Kingdom. Oh. Yeah, I'd say they're probably fucking expensive. Oh, uh. It just says XL Bully. Hmm. Anyways. I mean, it it looks like a bully breed of some sort, but there are some different ones. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, I guess back to the, uh, the, the thing we're doing here. Mm. Listen, I'm making chili for dinner, but I forgot to get chili seasoning. And I don't have the individual seasonings that make up chili seasoning. Well, that's 
That's a really difficult position to be in. You don't have any cumin? No, that's the thing I'm missing. That's I have taco seasoning, though. Taco seasoning probably does have cumin in it. Mary's calling me. Weird. Um... I'll call you right back there. Um, yeah, fuck. I don't know, man. I really want chili, but I really don't want to load up the boys just to go get a fucking packet of chili seasoning. You could try the taco seasoning. I'm sure that a lot of it is the same. Yeah. Because I I had, like... I know that, I mean, I am obviously just out of cumin, because that's something that, you know, people fucking have. But all I have is, you know, salt, pepper, garlic, powder, onion powder, paprika. And, like, that's pretty much it. Try the taco seasoning. Okay. It's probably, because I don't have chili seasoning either. Like, straight chili seasoning. Yeah. Well, taco seasoning has cumin in it, and chili is a Tex-Mex dish, so. Yeah, I could do taco seasoning, then just, like, add extra, like, onion powder and garlic powder. That'll I'm probably sure be, be fine. fine. Yeah. <sighs> uh, we're having ham and beans. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. So. real good. I, it's probably about done, honestly. So now we just have to make cornbread. Mm. I'm making cornbread, too. It's gonna be good. So good. I could eat a whole fucking loaf of cornbread. Yeah. I think I'm gonna try some cinnamon in the cornbread. My sister puts jalapenos in her cornbread. Ugh. Ugh, so good. (laughs) I hate jalapenos. I I hate peppers in general. The texture. I can't. I don't. No texture. They're so oh. weird. Mm, anyway, that's all for anyway. Tara. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we're glad you all listened. Also, and... this trial was happening around the same time as the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. And it makes me a little disappointed in humanity, myself included, that we had nonstop live coverage of that entire fiasco of a trial. And no one even talked about this trial. Yeah. I didn't hear about it at all and didn't actually know that it had happened until researching for this episode. Yeah. No, I didn't hear about it at all either. Yeah. And I haven't heard that much about Adnan's release either. I've seen, the posts that I've seen online are really only from, like, Robbie Ashadri. Yeah. So, it's baffling what people find important these days. Oh, for sure. But, anyway, um... I think you. we've already stated our final thoughts on this. It was certainly Bo, with Ryan's help after the fact. Yep. So. 100%. Um, both are guilty. And um, that's all. So, big thanks to Laura for our artwork and Ariel for our music. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a new slightly new version of the logo specifically for the spooky season fuck yeah so that'll be popping up in the next week or so it's the same it's our current logo but just spookified a bit yeah yeah that's exciting it's exciting. Um, so I'm actually on my way to eat ham and beans and watch some horror films myself. So, yeah, I should probably check on my kids and start making dinner. It's four forty-four. It is time to start the chili if you have not started it. I have not. 
Um, I'm assuming you're at this point not going to be using the crock pot. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's going to be a stove chili. Yeah. Which, honestly, it's going to taste the same. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. Um, are you going crackers or are you going Fritos? Um, I have crackers. Excellent. Yeah. I usually like uh, both. I need to get some tortillas, though, for leftovers to do some chili wraps. Mm. Fuck, those are good. Yeah. I always, we always chili. do uh, chili dogs for one, at least one of the leftover days. Yeah, I might not have a lot of leftovers. So I'm only doing it with one pound of ground beef. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm sure Jameson won't eat it. It'll just be me and Caden. So yeah. I have to go cook two dinners. Well, you'll at least have something for lunch tomorrow That's or true. whatever. Um, so, okay. Um, please subscribe to our show and rate us five stars. Please yeah. and thank you. And we appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, while you're out there doing that, also please remember to be kind and stay weird. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.